0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Please be seated. Paul writes in Philippians, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. I want to think with you today about this thankfulness and what it means, especially as we approach the holiday of Thanksgiving and as we make our pledges to support St. John's. Paul repeats the emphasis on thankfulness in chapter four, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is this thankfulness?
1: The Greek verb for I thank
0: is helpful here, Eucharisto. It's the word from which we get Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. We're going to be giving thanks later in the service as we remember how Jesus took bread, gave thanks
1: and broke it. The basic
0: root of Eucharisto is charis, which is usually translated grace. And the root of charis is the same as the root of chara, which is usually translated
1: joy. These two
0: words, grace and joy, give us the structure of the whole letter to the Philippians. It begins and ends with grace. The theme of God reaching out to us in love is pervasive throughout, and joy comes 14 times in the middle. It is significant then that the root of both charis and chara is probably the same Indo-European word, chair, from which we also get the English word, "yearn." The basic idea of the word is one of wanting or liking. We can see this in charis, grace, because this is a reaching out in love. And we can see this in gratitude, the most common way to express, I thank you in ancient Greek is oida soi. I know grace
1: towards you. Grace and thanks are co-ordinate.
0: In grace, God reaches out to us in love and in gratitude. We respond by reaching back to God
1: in love. The English
0: word gratitude comes from the Latin gratia or grace. It's a bit harder to see this with the concept of joy, but I think the same is true. Paul in Philippians continually emphasizes that joy comes to him and to us for something. For example, my joy in prayers for all of you because of your sharing with me in God's grace, or in Christ being preached, I rejoice, or your joy in faith. And in each of these cases, there's a reference behind the immediate object of joy to God who is the source. John Donne, the English metaphysical poet, wrote the holy sonnets when his beloved wife, Anne, died in 1617. He wrote in sonnet 17, "Here the admiring her, my mind
1: did whet to seek thee, God,
0: So streams do show their head. But though I have found thee, and thou my thirst hast fed, a holy thirsty dropsy melts me yet.
1: His gratitude for her takes him back to seeking for God
0: her source. But though he finds God, he still longs for a closer union. In the same way, Paul's joy is sourced in God's grace. For example, he rejoices in the faith of the Philippians because their faith comes from God. His joy is not merely a mood without an object. The joy is grateful when the object of the joy is seen as a gift and the joy is presented as a response to the giver of the gift. But Paul wants more. He says later in chapter one, he wants to be with Christ. C.S. Lewis in Surprised by Joy gives an account of joy as a species of longing. In the end, a longing for God. This seems counterintuitive and some theologians have rejected it, but I see the truth of it. There are many kinds of joy, but with the kind of joy Paul is talking about in Philippians, There is always the sense that there is a more complete joy when our union with God is more complete.
1: There's a looking beyond.
0: Have you ever wondered why it is that the most beautiful music is sad music? I think it's because it gives us a sense of that longing
1: that yearning, at least for me, there is a deep kind of joy that makes me weep. Why do I go into this linguistic background?
0: It's because I think it helps understand Thanksgiving. Let's go back to Paul at the beginning of Philippians. He is writing from prison. By tradition, this is prison in Rome, but he doesn't say this, and it may equally be prison in Caesarea. He is about 65 years old, and reaching the three score years and 10 which is the normal end of a life at that time. He is taking
1: time to remember.
0: I am 73 and I'm starting to sit and remember more and more. And I refuse to feel guilty about this. And as I remember, the shape of my life
1: starts to become clearer. There are
0: themes that come back as there are in the movement of a well-crafted sonata. And I feel grateful for what I have been given. Paul is remembering his first time in Philippi. There are several ways this comes up in the first few verses of our epistle reading for today. First, there is the salutation. Normally, Paul refers to his status as an apostle. In 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. But here he says, Paul
1: and Timothy Slaves of Christ Jesus. Perhaps he's remembering that at
0: Philippi, a slave girl started following Paul and Timothy and Silas, crying out, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you
1: a way of salvation.
0: And then Paul talks of the Philippians sharing in the gospel. And he's no doubt thinking of Lydia, when the Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. And the jailer, when he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. We should imagine Lydia and the jailer and his family, listening eagerly to this letter when Timothy and Epaphroditus go back to Philippi and read it to the community, still perhaps meeting in Lydia's house.
1: Finally, there is the fact that Paul is
0: in prison again. And again, he's preaching to his guards he says, it's become known throughout the Imperial Guard that my imprisonment is for Christ. He's repeating the same pattern as with the jailer at
1: Philippi, And as he remembers
0: them and his life, he sees God's long faithfulness to him
1: and to them.
0: I am confident of this, he says, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Remembering and being grateful for his life and their lives takes him to a wider and then a wider context. This is the context that consists in his and their salvation, the spread of the gospel, and the
1: destiny of the whole creation.
0: In chapter two, he writes, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue should confess
1: that Jesus Christ is Lord.
0: I want to connect this now with our readings from Isaiah and from Luke, all of which have to do with this wider
1: context. Gratitude
0: expands because. We start by being grateful to God for what God has given to us personally and individually. And then we come to recognize that it is the same God who brings all things, the whole of creation to completion. In Isaiah 65, God says, for I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating, for I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. In this new Jerusalem, there will be no sound of weeping or the cry of distress. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox they shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. We should rejoice and be glad in this vision of the new heaven and the new earth. I find I am grateful more and more that it's also a new earth and not just a new heaven. This thought is present also in the book of Revelation, which has its own picture of the new Jerusalem and a new heaven and a new earth where sorrow shall be no more. In Isaiah, the lion shall eat straw like the ox. A vegetarian lion. I don't claim to understand this how such a creature can still be a real lion. But the point for now is that our gratitude for lions in their beauty now should expand into gratitude for their beauty then, when there is no more hurt or destruction in all God's
1: holy mountains.
0: In our canticle from Isaiah 12, these themes of gratitude and rejoicing are combined. Therefore you shall draw water with rejoicing from the springs of salvation. And on that day, you shall say, give thanks to the Lord and call
1: upon his name.
0: In Luke 21, we have a different note. Jesus tells us of the tribulation that will come before his second coming.
1: Can we be grateful also for suffering? This is a hard question.
0: Some in the early church would not pray for the second coming because of all the suffering that would
1: come with it. But
0: I have learned something about this over the past couple of years. Jesus does not say we should be grateful for the horrors, for the death and the destruction, but we should be grateful for God's presence in the midst of them. In the Gospel passage, he says that his disciples will be persecuted and taken to court. But he says, make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. It's not the persecution they should be grateful for, but God's presence with them in the midst of the persecution. When someone with whom you have formed your life dies, you do not need to be grateful for the death. God also has a blessing for those who mourn. In your grief, you can get closer to the person you have lost by remembering her vividly and
1: continually. And you can also get closer to God, who still sustains both of you. It's like John Donne with his wife, Anne. So streams do show their head. I think you can be grateful
0: for the grief even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me.
1: I want to go back now
0: to grace and gratitude as part of a continuing circle. I said that grace and thanks are coordinate In grace, God reaches out to us in love, and in gratitude, we reach back to God in love. But now we can see that the circle
1: does not end here.
0: The philosopher Kierkegaard has a picture of this. He says that when we reach out to God in love, God gives us a forwarding address. The love is not supposed to simply terminate with God, but to be sent on to others. The gratitude for God's grace is to produce our own grace, our own reaching out beyond ourselves. This was something about Terry that I deeply admired. For example, she was sitting on a mountain, looking at a beautiful sunset. And I was in the cabin, finishing up some work. She came to fetch me so that I could enjoy it too. And this meant she missed some of the glory of the colors of the slowly sinking sun. If I was sitting on the mountainside and she was in the house, I would be sad that she was missing it. (laughs) But I wouldn't go and fetch her. Terry's immediate inclination was to share what she loved. The gratitude
1: produced her own grace.
0: Does this mean that she valued the beauty less than me? Not at all. She was grateful to God for it. C.S. Lewis again says, the saddest moment for the atheist is when he has no one to thank. And Terry was not sad in that way that in her, the circle continued. The grace produced gratitude, and the gratitude produced grace. It produced generosity. And then the generosity produces more gratitude, and the gratitude, more grace. This is not just generosity about time, Another example is generosity about encouragement and praise of others. We tend to think about standing or honor in a community as a competitive good, as though there is a limited amount of good reputation, of a group thinking well of someone. And if one person gets more of it, that means another person has to get less. It is zero sum. But Terry was generous in thinking well and speaking well of others. And Paul is praising and encouraging the Philippians. The truth is that honor in this sense does not need to be a competitive good. We can raise each other up and all end up higher together. In the world, the academic world, for example, it can seem that fashion prevails. And when one scholar or school becomes famous or popular, another retreats into obscurity. This is what happened to my father, to his great disappointment and bitterness. He was famous for about a decade in moral philosophy, and then he wasn't. And no one seemed to want to invite him to talk or write any longer. The academic world is in that way fickle.
1: But we do not need to be like that. When we see what is good in each other, we can be grateful, and we can express
0: it in generous encouragement and praise. There is an illuminating contrast with Aristotle here. The magnanimous person, Aristotle says, does not like being the recipient of good things from others, although he likes to be himself the benefactor. The reason is that the magnanimous person thinks that by being the recipient, He's made less or inferior. And for him, honor is a competitive good. As benefactor,
1: he can stay on top. This is
0: one of many places where the gospel overturns what then and now passes for common sense.
1: When we receive grace,
0: does that mean that we owe gratitude and then the grace that we pass on to others? Well, yes and no. In the story of the lepers that we heard a few weeks ago from Luke 17, Jesus healed 10. And only the Samaritan returned to thank him. Jesus asked, were not 10 made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus is disappointed.
1: And I think this is because
0: The grace of healing needs to be completed in responsive gratitude. There's unfinished
1: business without this.
0: In Psalm 95, the Veneti, which is traditionally part of morning prayer, we say, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. But God issues a warning. 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do earn their hearts for they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. God is disappointed because grace has not received its appropriate response of gratitude. And that response is the way to his rest or his peace. So yes, we owe gratitude and our own grace in response. Yes, but also no. This is not like normal debt where we want to discharge them by paying them off. Kiryat is good again here. In works of love, he says, what we most want is to stay
1: in the debt. God's
0: grace is not a debt we can or should want to discharge. One of George Herbert's poems is
1: called, Gratefulness, and it ends this way.
0: Not thankful when it pleases me, as if thy blessings had spare days, but such a heart whose
1: pulse may be thy praise. God's grace is
0: continuous. It has no spare days. And our gratefulness needs to respond without ceasing and to respond not just to God, but to the forwarding address that God gives us. We're about to hand in our pledges to St. John's. David Mahan and Tim Hersey gave us testimony last Sunday about how we can do this well in a spirit of communion with each other through
1: contribution. I want to end
0: by going back to grace and joy. In Greek, charis and kara, the same word in different
1: forms. When my children
0: were growing up, We used to spend our summers in Salisbury, Connecticut. And since my oldest child's birthday came in August, I used to organize a treasure hunt around the property, with each clue leading to the next clue and the final clue leading to the treasure. The treasure would be something good in itself. But getting to the treasure was not really the point of the whole hunt. It was needed for the game to reach its proper end, but the point of the game was to express and manifest the love and delight that Terry and I had in and for our child. And the mutual love and delight that our child had in and for us. Giving and joy, Caris and Carra.
1: I think our pledges are like that. They're good in themselves.
0: We give our treasure, and this is necessary if St. John's is going to go on. I believe that this parish is doing kingdom work. But the pledges are very significantly a way for us to express and manifest our gratitude to God and our joy in what God has given us. To express that gratitude and that joy by sending our love onto its forwarding address to continue the circle.
1: That is the way to peace.
0: Philippians mentions thankfulness again in chapter 4. We are to make our requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. And then,
1: the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Let us pray.
0: Dear God, we pray for thankful hearts. Not thankful when it pleases us, as if thy blessings had spare days. But such a heart,
1: whose pulse may be thy praise. Amen.